0: Look at my butt. Show number 221 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek.
1: Hello, listeners. Hello. We want you to guess who I'm quoting. I have a compulsive desire to
0: try anything new. I I can't imagine who would say something like that. It almost sounds like the kind of person who would always say yes to new opportunities. Yes. And who is that person? (laughs) It would be someone who allows pictures to be taken of himself posing with a pot full of food in in his own kitchen, making ridiculous faces. That would would be part of it. Yes. Yes. So
1: for those of you who haven't caught on yet... That's the opening line in an article from 1968, wow. an article about Bill Shatner, was written by <laughs> Jana Blinn, an independent columnist for The Evening Independent, <laughs> and I'm assuming this uh, sort of filled or appeared in their, their food section. The overall article is called Celebrity Cookbook. Uh-huh. Um, let's see that there is some, uh, some really wonderful stuff in here. Oh listen to this a hearty eater himself Bill is in awe of the nation's top trencherman in Miami a good working man's breakfast is either melon or strawberries a couple of eggs scrambled steak and plenty of coffee in Cincinnati they brought on the biggest sirloins they could find he said and the tab came to 103 dollars the press agent interjected this boy can really put it away <laughs>
0: Bill is very interested in eating food. I think we can all yes, agree.
1: Yes, having seen the pudding video. Um, Bill says When I feel the pounds coming on and get that gelatinous feeling, I go on the jello three times a day routine. Oh, oh um,
0: that sounds terrible. Doesn't it? Oh,
1: yuck. Shatner spoke about his role as a rocket skipper <laughs> on a five year trip in space. <laughs> We're always concerned on the show about what people in the future will be smoking or eating or drinking. No one smokes on the show because supposedly in future we will have overcome the need to smoke. Regarding food, we will Progressed beyond the little packages of pills, period, and can indulge once again in the great gustatory pleasures in life. We'll have overcome the problem of radiation in food, and we'll be able to stop off on an unknown planet and utilize the great plant and animal species that we find there. Food may exist in many shapes or colors and be exotic in flavor. In this way, we'll be able to exist on new continents, in new environments, and understand things that have previously been unknown to humanity on his own cooking he said he likes to improvise in the kitchen Um, i used to cook at home but i gave it up in favor of sleep
0: (laughs) Ah, recent oh the next paragraph this this is pure shatner i mean nothing has changed from 1968 to you know 2014 well go
1: ahead and read it
0: oh well it says recently he took up cooking at the studio at the studio Quote, I cook chops and steaks on a hibachi using rolled up newspapers, but I had to give that up when the fireman <laughs> on the set objected. <laughs> so there you go. William Shatner's setting things on fire while he's cooking over, you know, a 40, 50 year period. Yes.
1: <laughs> very, very
0: consistently. He's Jesus. dangerous. Oh, Bill, Bill, what are you
1: thinking? Oh, you know. <laughs> oh. And then they have a couple of recipes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and as we have said before, or I don't know if we've ever said it on the show, but sometime when you're here in Chicago, we are going to go have dinner at Gene and Giorgetti's, which is oh. a um, a Chicago landmark, supposed mm-hmm. to be one of the best, if not the best, steakhouse in Chicago, been around forever, and that is one of Bill's favorite places to eat.
0: Oh, well, let's go. Let's definitely make it an evening of yes. and have Fabulous cocktails and well, a place like that will probably have to have like old fashions or manhattans, manhattans or something. A steakhouse like, yeah. is where you get the best manhattans. Yeah, so we'll do yes. that. That'll be awesome. Yes, and
1: we'll ask um, them know, um, when when Mr. Shetner's here. What's his favorite <laughs> thing to order?
0: And they'll say everything No, they'll say, "Well, he's sitting right over there. Why don't you go uh, <laughs> join him?" We'll say, "Thank you." And then the waiter will go, you know, Bill, Bill, he eats a lot of steak because that boy can really put it away. <laughs> he sure can. Okay, really? Now, interestingly, um, so you said this is 1968. Yes. Was he not divorced at that
1: time? Uh, no, uh, it it sounds no. like not because it says he lives in West Los Angeles with his wife, Gloria, yeah. and their three daughters.
0: Okay, I just think that's a lie. I think he was getting divorced and he wasn't Probably there getting with them. divorced. Yeah, yes, yeah. And this particular photo, this is from that photo shoot we saw where he was so proud of like fixing the toilet or something, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just had that look at me expression he's yes, holding up a piece I'm of doing manly things. <laughs> Okay, well, that is amazing. Thank you very much for finding that. I can't even remember how that showed up, but oh. what a find. The internet people, the internet lets The let internet find people, everything. we
1: love them so.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, what did we say we were going to talk about? Oh, Peter Shatner, that's right. Yes, okay. Peter, Peter, Peter Shatner. Oh, my God. So uh, we've talked about him plenty of times on the show before. Yeah, at least two or yeah. maybe more. Um, And, uh, you know, he's sort of been there in the background, just kind of lurking and not doing a whole lot. But recently, as you all may have noticed, because I think we posted this in the blog, he is suing Bill for the very large amount of $170 million. So here's the interesting part about it. He's not filing a paternity suit. Even though in the past he has asked Bill to take a DNA test and Bill said no, what he's saying is that, hold on, let me find it so I can quote it accurately, um... He accuses Shatner of getting Twitter to shut down his Twitter account and having IMDb Pro remove a page about a project he was working on, which he alleges hurt his business opportunities. So because of those things, he is seeking $30 million in compensatory damages, $90 million in punitive damages, and $50 million in pain and suffering. Mm. that's an outrageous amount of money because yeah but okay first uh, of all whenever you
1: sue somebody I mean I haven't sued anybody but <laughs> I'm assuming that whenever people sue people if they think uh they'll get a million mm-hmm. they ask for 50 million or 100 million yeah, or something yeah. it's it's like you know you're you're starting the negotiations
0: yeah I suppose it it just seems that um it makes him look like an asshole, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I think judging by the comments on this particular article, which was publicjetpeople.com, and then other comments I've seen, it, it really does make him look greedy and just a, a money grabber in the mm-hmm. worst sort of way. And if he was hoping at all to, you know make himself known to the general public and really push his claim that he is Bill's kid. This is not a good way to do it.
1: Well, no. And the thing is until, um, unless and until there is some sort of paternity test, Mm -hmm. it can never be settled. He can say it as many ways as he wants to. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Bill or any celebrity celebrity is under no obligation to yeah. to prove that they are or are not related to people.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I it just it's weird and you know, he seems to have a career. Uh, he's been a he lives in Florida and it seems like he was a DJ or something. I don't mm-hmm. know what he does down there, but you know, he has stuff going on. So if if he's, you know, like he doesn't seem to need to get rich off of this it's not like he's destitute i don't know i i just wonder about his motives in in pulling something like mm-hmm. this They're like does he think maybe bill's gonna die soon and this is his last chance to get maybe piece of get a get a piece of the pie or at least get bill to you know acknowledge him people um have pointed out that if there is a case uh where it's uh you know, in inheritance, for example, you can force someone to take a paternity test to see if there's a DNA match. But he's not claiming any of that. I mean, other than the things that he said in public about Bill being his dad and meeting him and calling himself Peter Shatner, it's not like he's making a claim on Bill's fortune or trying to insinuate himself into his will or anything like that. Right, yeah. So it's strange. The of course, everybody who reads this thinks immediately that it is about paternity and that he is trying to uh, have some sort of claim on Bill that Bill should be paying him money simply because he's his son. But that's not what the lawsuit is about. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those of you who might be more curious about Peter Shatner, uh, he, <laughs> I don't know why you would be, but, you know, uh, he's on Facebook. He has a Facebook account which I for some reason decided I needed to follow. And um taking a hit for the podcast. Yeah, you know, he oh, so here's what he does. Let me read it to you. Um he is the president and CEO of Peter Sloane, which is his given name. Uh annuity and insurance brokers. So that's what he does when he's not living the high life. He's a he's an insurance (laughs) broker and a film director. I don't know about that. He lives in Tampa, Florida and um On his Facebook page, he just kind of posts pictures of himself and his friends, and uh, he put a thing about prints, and it's just like normal stuff. He posts pictures of his cats. He has uh, (coughs) film screenings at his house. Mm -hmm. I don't know how big his house is, but he has film screenings there. So he just uh, seems like, you know, a, a fairly normal dude. Hmm. I don't know, man. It's weird. It's really weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that that always seemed odd to me about this was, I think, like, early on when I would first heard about him, you know, and was reading about him and stuff, he said, people are always telling me I look like William Shatner. And I've <laughs> looked at
0: pictures, I'm going, uh, no? No, not really. No, not, not, no, not Not seeing that. No, definitely not. Um, on this article, uh, I think I, I told you the very first comment was the best. Uh, some person said, well, if he is Kirk's son, that doesn't bode well for him. This <laughs> means he will most likely get shanked by his first son, by a Klingon. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so you might want to be, you know, a little careful about claiming, <laughs> claiming that degree of separation to be <laughs> Oh my. So we we will continue to follow the saga of Peter Shatner yes, and see yes. if anything comes out of it. Um I think we had mentioned before that um Shatner's lawyer had sent him a letter back in, like, 2011, saying, please stop calling yourself Peter Shatner and please stop saying that Bill agreed that you were related to him. Um, And and the letter said, in part, there have been many people over the years who have claimed to be his children or other relatives. Mm -hmm. He is an incredibly busy 80-year-old man and is not interested in spending time discussing this issue with you or any such individuals. You can imagine how many people have claimed to be (laughs) one of Bill's progeny. I mean. Oh Well, it's like um, – I
1: forget the guy's name. He's the son of Mia Farrow, who they say might be Frank Sinatra's. Oh, my
0: God. He looks exactly like Frank Sinatra. I know, but he said, well,
1: <laughs> technically, any of us could be Sinatra's children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty funny. Yeah. And that's all I could think was
0: technically – Any of us could be William Chatner's child. Exactly. I think that that's exactly, exactly right. Yes. So he can't say yes to one because then he'd have to say yes to all, right? Well, he's under no obligation to even deal with it. Yeah. You know. Agreed. I have to say, for this People magazine uh, piece, they chose a lovely picture of Bill to put in there. Yes, yes. He looks very nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. Yeah, he does.
0: <laughs> he's wearing all black, so it makes him look a little slimmer. And uh, <laughs> his hands are nice and tan. And oh, he's, good. you know, got a good expression on his face. He's wearing a fairly okay toupee there, too.
1: <laughs> oh, I have to tell you before I forget. Oh, yes. For the
0: first time in a long time, I had a Bill dream the other night. <gasps> I had a Bill dream recently, too. (gasps) Oh, tell yours. Oh, no, it wasn't wasn't really very good at all. It was just... I I think I told you about this when we were at uh, the con. It was just me and Bill doing stuff. We were going from one place to another, and he was just... He was like grandfatherly you know Uh now and it was just sort of like i i was i wasn't starstruck and we were just having a lovely conversation as we were driving from point a to point b and then something else happened after that but it was so nice to see him i was just delighted yeah
1: well in my dream as you know when i dream about bill we're always buddies yes Yes. we know each other you know so um we were somewhere, I don't remember where, and I don't remember exactly how this happened, but someone was like taken ill or something, you know, they're injured, I don't know what it was. And uh, so Bill and I said, Well, we'll go find a doctor, you know, and, and off we went. And Bill said to me, I hope we find the doctor fast because my shoulder hurts. Oh, Bill. <laughs> After that, it turned into something else entirely different. I don't remember what it was,
0: but I just, even my dream, I thought, what a bizarre thing to say. Really? Too many shoulder rolls. That's why that's shoulder, That's huh. what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, how nice that he visited us both in our dreams. Isn't that nice? It was pleasant. I just, that, my dream was just, like, I was so happy to see him and we had such a pleasant interaction. There was, <laughs> you know, it, there was no drama. It wasn't like a... No action thing or anything like that we were just kind of hanging out and mm-hmm. it, was, it was awesome well cool yeah so now let's talk about tattletales uh, <laughs> because now we've sort of embarked on this thing where yes. we're watching these episodes of tattletales so uh one of our listeners mentioned that there's another tattletales that he was on where he and marcy had some questions dealing with sex which sounded pretty fun mm-hmm. so i started looking on youtube and i found this episode which uh, let's see when was it broadcast it was in 1974 and it was um, I think the second appearance after the one that we had seen previously Mm -hmm. so this was with him and Marcy and George and Alana Hamilton and man George Hamilton was crazy then I like I could not get over the way he looked oh. the fact that he was smoking cigarettes throughout this entire thing yes and he had that weird pencil thin mustache thing going on It was I so know strange well here's the thing,
1: here's a funny thing about George Hamilton uh-huh. this was in the New York Times years ago I think I still lived in New York at that time and there was just it was just some little blurb that's always stayed with me um a, a man had was in a a fancy restaurant you know a well-known one Mm -hmm. with his daughter who was like in her 20s and George Hamilton got up and walked through and you know people are staring at him and everything and the daughter had no idea who he was (laughs) and she says to her father who is that man he looks like he
0: just stepped out of a rotisserie yes (laughs) yes yes he is extremely uh, tan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess back then it was a real tan, right?
1: Yeah, I Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's kind of what he's famous for was his yeah. suntan, tan, right? Yeah,
0: so that was crazy. And then he had a shirt that had... Uh, ice all- cream. Oh, ice cream all over it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the third couple who was on was a guy named Scoey Mitchell, who was an actor and I think he's done a lot of theater but apparently he was doing some television then, so he was on with his wife.
1: Oh, I thought he was a comedian.
0: Um, I'm looking at, at Wikipedia right now and it says he's an American actor, writer, and TV director and he is known for his frequent appearances on game shows. Right, yeah. Uh, and he had a recurring role on, on Rhoda, although I don't remember that.
1: I, did, I didn't watch enough Rhoda to... Okay to know much about that but oh. anyway bill so, was wearing um
0: oh my god a
1: hound's tooth jacket made of real hound's teeth first
0: <laughs> <laughs> um it's a crazy jacket, and he's wearing a bright pink shirt underneath it, mm-hmm. which is just astounding. And the jacket just kind of blew me away when I first saw it. Um, and so I posted this on our blog uh, <laughs> yesterday, I think, and uh, two people already responded. And, yes. And uh, Angela says, oh, I thought I had seen all of these, but I surely couldn't have forgotten that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Margaret says, yes, this is Matt Stone, shortly before he decided to settle down and become a small-time veterinarian in Rack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and somebody else pointed out that it it looked like the impulse period. It does. It totally. It, that, that's yeah. the impulse um, to pay. To pay. Yes. Exactly. Yes.
0: So, <clears throat> excuse me. Bill was a little more relaxed in this episode. I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that was weird about it was um, how much sex talk there was. Like, well, you know, I think this was like
1: produced by the same people or people trying to imitate the people who did match game uh, yeah I think and right. that just got to be it was hardly even innuendo anymore
0: yeah this was just it was all about and the questions were like that too they were so oh yeah sexual you know like if what was one of the questions if a, a man made advances at your wife would she tell you about it And then it turned into this whole joking thing about Bert Convy being the man who had made advances toward each of their wives. Yeah. It just went on and on from there. It was like getting really cringy. Like, stop. Stop talking about that. The thing is, it was such a a boring, stupid
1: show. I mean, when we saw it before, before they changed formats where, Mm -hmm. you know, we found out. Phyllis Diller was a swinger and, you know, (laughs) but at least they got to like tell a story. Yeah. This is just, would she tell you, well, I don't know. She's pretty honest, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's it's like there, there is nothing interesting going on. And I would not have thought it was possible for that show to become less interesting.
0: Oh, so weird. So I guess if you watch that show, it's for the, the innuendo and the banter, the weird, <laughs> weird banter, and to watch people smoking on yes. screen at the same time. Yes. Um, one thing was interesting, though. One of the questions was, um, who would who has more private time who wants to have more private time to the to the wives is it or you who your enjoys husband? it yeah yeah and uh i i knew right away that that was going to be her because uh, as yes. she said bill doesn't like to be by himself he likes it when he's alone with his wife but he doesn't like to just be alone and i thought that that was interesting it was and, and kind of neat to hear bill that. you know in in years since has
1: has said that yeah he 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 does not like being alone it's Probably one of the
0: things he he dislikes the most. Yep. So it was kind of cool to see that. Uh, I will say that Bill and Marcy lost. And yes. And Bill seemed sort of genuinely angry about that at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn um, it, Marcy. Yeah, exactly. But the other thing that I have to say about this is that there were so many race jokes. I mean, was it really that acceptable to have that kind of racism on television back I then? I guess it was. Holy crap. And even Bill said to I, I should have mentioned that Scoey Mitchell is black, that he said something about him having natural rhythm. And I was like, Holy God, don't say that. <laughs> oh. Well do you know
1: this has always stayed with me. When I was in third grade, I do not know how the subject came up, but our teacher actually said to us, Well, all Negroes have natural rhythm. It's from um all those drums in Africa.
0: <gasps> oh my God oh
1: and even in third you know you're not going to argue with the teacher but I don't know I think I knew enough about genetics or something to,
0: to go I don't think that's how oh, it works you know appalling oh my god so yeah there was just all these I mean Bill said that thing about natural rhythm and then they were you know every time somebody said something about it being dark or black you know there was like a long pause and they'd all look at him and laugh and you know he seemed to be doing all right just fending it off but still oh how awful for him just well think about all the racist jokes
1: made in the presence of Sammy Davis yeah and how he would laugh and
0: laugh and laugh oh yeah so a big warning out there if you're gonna watch this be prepared you know the sex stuff is like whatever nobody's it's not hurtful but that was just over the top. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I suppose it's worth it to see Bill in his crazy, crazy jacket and uh, just to hear some of the things that come out of his mouth. I'd
1: rather watch Impulse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm still on the lookout for this other episode of Tattletales that mm-hmm. they were in where they had more of the sex talk in it. And maybe that's just what all of those episodes became was just sex stuff probably all of tattletales yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh so weird okay now this Uh, is the george hamilton's wife alana she's one was later married to rod stewart that's right yeah she was uh very beautiful she had blonde Mm -hmm. hair Uh, but yeah smoking so much smoking yeah on tv just smoking Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you remember when they um when they first decided
1: you couldn't smoke on tv and uh, Johnny Carson kept a cigarette out of camera. Yes. And every now and then he'd get caught. And at one time he said he got fined every time he got caught. Really? I mean, when when it you know they they went to commercial and he hadn't quite gotten it back to the ashtray yet. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: Or we came back from commercial. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, when you're addicted, man, yeah. that's what you got to do. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about one more thing quickly before we take our break. Um, I just want to mention this because. In, in their never-ending flood of uh, Trek crap, here's a new thing. Star Trek Trivial Pursuit, the 50th anniversary edition. And the bonus on this one is that the container that the cards and everything comes in is a shuttlecraft. It's the Galileo 7. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not only do you get the box and that you know the cards and everything comes with it but you get a little shuttlecraft in there too cool Uh, it says 50th anniversary trivial pursuit board game although there is no board this collector's edition game features 1200 questions about all five star trek television series and the first 10 star trek movies (sighs) spanning over 50 years with a collectible galileo one i don't know why it's a one it should be seven it says seven right on the side (laughs) It does. It's right there. I'm looking at it. Uh, Enterprise Shuttlecraft to store the cards plus custom a a custom die. One die, not two dice. I one guess you die. have to have your own board. That's weird. But that's how all those Trivial Pursuits were. Oh,
1: really? Okay. When you bought the first original one, you got a board, and then the games after that, I'm you can buy replacement boards, but the games after that were all just the
0: cards. Oh, okay. I only ever remember seeing the whole, I have it, the whole box with mm-hmm. the board and the cards and everything else in there. So maybe once this thing um, is more on sale, it would be fun to get it because I'd like to see how badly we do with the trivia questions. Well, yeah, once they get out of TOS, I'm pretty lost. Exactly. So there might be some fun stuff in there. Uh, it is released at the end of June this summer. It will be available, so 30 bucks. Wow. Yep. Before we break,
1: while yes. we're on the topic of fun, yes, you can get a Star Trek coffee table... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That is also a pinball machine and a meteorite cabinet. Wow. Now, this article came from Popular Mechanics. (laughs) And the the, uh, the subheading is uh, that red-shirted Ensign sure plays a mean pinball. Uh. <laughs> so here's what it is. Say hello to the coffee table that goes where no living room furniture has gone before. Named the Shuttle Interactive Coffee Table, this creation of Alter furniture is an original 1991 Star Trek pinball machine wrapped inside a body that looks like the hull of a shuttlecraft. Wow. It comes with new electronic controls and Plenty more. The listing claims that there are four real meteorite fragments built into the back. Also, there are three lit dilithium crystals to fuel this beauty these were not easy to acquire as they don't actually exist this won't be the easiest piece of trek merchandise to acquire it's one of a kind oh. and altar is currently listing it for seven thousand eight hundred and twenty eight pounds or nearly nine thousand dollars
0: yeah wow i wonder how heavy it is with all that stuff
1: well yeah and it's at coffee table so unless it has like a ex- it's coffee table hide unless it has like expandable legs you'd have to sit on the floor to play the pinball part. Yeah, that would be weird. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll
0: put it up on something. But it's sure pretty. It's oh, colorful. Yeah. And it's got meteorite fragments in it. How could Did, you go wrong? Didn't Bill's watch have meteorite fragments in it it had something something it had fragments of something <laughs> I can't remember dilithium crystals it had fragments of dilithium crystals but that's those really don't something. exist well I don't know it had something in it I can't okay remember. Something. <laughs> something a long time ago I can't Alrighty. remember anymore. oh boy more stuff more, more Trek s- stuff more I wouldn't stuff. call that coffee table trek crap though that's too nice if you
1: wanted that sort of thing oh I was reading um little blip online today about how to make your house look like a fun place (laughs) okay and one of the things they had was um if if you're a nerd celebrate your nerdiness and they they had they were showing like little you know statues action figures of you know spider-man and stuff in these cute little decorative cases and i thought Would it look stranger than it already does if I put all my Trek stuff together instead of having it in various places around the apartment? So it's just sort of like another part of the decor, just like Uh it's another part, another facet of me.
0: I think it's weird to put everything all in one place unless... There's a reason, like it's a collection of certain figures that all yeah. go together, and they yeah. all have the same pedestals or something. Mm-hmm. It seemed I love the way you have the stuff in your apartment where it's just sort of around, you know, with, with you other things, it. you yeah. know, and and things have a function. Like the salt and pepper shaker, Kirk is there to keep an eye on your kitchen. It's very important. Yes, that I he love can him. Everything. Yeah, I just love him. Very important.
1: Yes, I was dusting the other day, and he fell out of his chair.
0: <gasps> and oh I said, goodness. "Don't fall out of the chair, Kirk!" But <laughs>
1: luckily, no damage, no nothing broken, anything. And and you know that's why I clean
0: house so rarely. It's so dangerous. It is. It's very very dangerous. Yes. yes. Oh goodness. Okay. Now let's take our little break, and then we've got um, two very fun things in the the fan film category to talk about when we come back. Okay. Space the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to
1: seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com, And leave comments at at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. So let's talk about um, fan films and things around fan films. We've mentioned before when in talking about Ax- the Axanar affair. <laughs> that sounds like a Mission Impossible. It title, does. It? The <laughs> Axanar affair. Um, now, if it a- was a Star
1: Trek episode, it'd be something like Crisis on Axanar. That's right. Yeah. Yes.
0: There is a website called AXA Monitor, and it is a wonderful resource that keeps up on everything that's happening on Axonar. And wow. I retweeted a few of their things and also mentioned to them that we had interviewed Mark Ogrand, who talked a little bit about Axonar, giving mm-hmm. his expertise on Klingon. And so the guy who runs AXA Monitor and I just kind of got to talking and I said, hey, do you want to be on the show? And he said, sure. So we're trying to get that set up. He's an interesting guy. His name is Carlos Pedraza. And he is not unfamiliar with fan films because he has both written, produced, and directed all three um, episodes of the Star Trek New Voyages, the Phase 2, but he's Mm -hmm. also done Star Trek Hidden Frontier, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So he's been on the fan film side of it, and the... AXA Monitor website is really good at presenting things, I think, pretty objectively, and they're right on top of everything. So we're going to have him on sometime soon to talk about Star Trek and AXANAR, and I'm really curious to know, like, why he did this, you know? He, he must have some burning need to spend as much time as he does on uh-huh. this, and I would like to know what that is. And yeah. all the usual questions, like, how did you get involved in Star Trek, and do you prefer the even or odd-numbered <coughs> movies, which we have to ask everybody. Of course as a rule. So having read about him, I realized I had never watched any episodes of uh, Star Trek Hidden Frontier, even though I think I mentioned it um, a couple times when we were talking about all the different fan films that there were out there. So I watched an episode of it, and I would now like to tell you about it. Please tell us about it. Yeah, because it was very interesting, and I I probably will watch a few more of them, although I don't think I'm going to watch all of them. They have seven seasons worth of stuff. Wow. I mean, they had this thing going for a really long time, which, you know, kudos to them for keeping it going on really a shoestring. Mm -hmm. Um, What they did was instead of building sets – everything was green screened wow the whole show so all they did was have the actors dressed up and on very minimal sets like you know a chair and maybe mm-hmm. a table but everything else in the background was all done with cgi and it's okay you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's not terrible and the the space scenes are actually pretty good you know i think everybody can do ships flying through space now So I read in one of the articles about it that at the time they were doing this, because of course it was all volunteer, nobody got paid anything, Mm -hmm. they were making these episodes, they're about 25 minutes long, for $200 an episode. Wow. (laughs) I mean, talk about a shoestring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just incredible. Uh, And they did this for seven seasons, and then they had a couple of spinoffs, and you know these people who were involved in it just keep doing stuff so you know good for them that they kept going recently they for some reason uh decided to remaster all of their episodes and you can watch them now in high def online <laughs> so that's what i did and the one that i watched was an episode called uh perihelion and that was the name of uh another ship and you know in half an hour the the plot is going to be pretty compressed and it involves the new uh, CO of the ship, not the captain, but the, the number one position, mm-hmm. uh, who joins. And then they come across an alien ship, but there's a Federation ship that was near it, and somehow a black hole got created, and various other things happened. But they resolve it in the end, like like they should. Now, what was interesting to me in this episode, and the reason I watched it, was because what they've done in Hidden Frontier is take some characters, some kind of like guest characters or third-tier characters from regular Trek and imported them. Mm -hmm. Not unlike Garth of Axanar, for example. Uh Um, But the character that they took and imported, who I read then became a a regular on the show, was Elizabeth Shelby. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Now, it's not played by... Um, the woman who was her on the show is played by a different actress, but they took her character and she became the, you know, number one on this other Federation starship. And she was on for most of those seven seasons. I think they, wrote her out for a little while while the actress was pregnant and had a kid, but then she came back, and it was just really weird to see her. And, of course, you know, in my mind, there's always the Brandt connection, so I wanted to (laughs) see what she was like.
1: Now, are these professional actors doing it, or or friends, or,
0: you know, (laughs) what's what's going on there? Let's say there's a range. Mm -hmm. There's a range of people. Some of them are very good. Um, Some of them are about as good as your standard high school actors. Okay. Some of them are, in fact, high school students, they look like. And then there's a lot of people who are just in between. So, you know, you have to set your expectations appropriately for something like this. It's not going to be a professional thing. but. You know they do their best, I have to say, and the makeup's not great and the costumes aren't great, but they are clearly doing it out of a very deep love for Star Trek, and I got to give them a lot of kudos for keeping this thing going. Mm-hmm. Uh, what one of the many uh, reasons that people like it, besides you know these interesting characters and the things that they do, is that they included very openly gay and lesbian characters and plots which is wonderful. Like, why isn't regular Trek doing that? Why do they have to do it in a fan production? Right. So they started airing it in, uh, let me see, when did it start? Oh, 2000. And they finished it up in 2007. And then there have been other things that followed it, including some series and um, a couple of movies as well. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, there's this whole thing out there that I didn't know. And they have a lot of fans and they people who do it are, you know, fairly well known within the fandom, which I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. The oh, go ahead, and then I have one other thing to tell you about this.
1: Oh, okay. Well what I'm wondering now is how much does the film fandom have in common with the fiction fandom? Like do they do people swing back and forth between being supporters of each other and then going to war with each other? <laughs> or do they not have any real like community sort of thing going? They're each in their own little pocket. I'm just curious. I don't
0: know. If we I... get
1: get him on the the show, we're going to ask him about that.
0: Yeah, I I would like to know who their fans are and and everything. Um, the best thing about it in the first, I think it's the first three seasons. Hmm. <laughs> This is great. They didn't have their own music. like a, They didn't have an opening theme. Later on, somebody composed an opening theme for them. They couldn't use the Star Trek theme. Of course not. What do you think they used as their opening theme? The Jetsons? Nope. What? So much better. So much better. What? Galaxy Quest. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it! I was sitting there watching it, and, you know, there's, like, the teaser, and then it comes on, and then it played the Galaxy Quest music, and I was like, ah, oh this is amazing. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It, it's just, like, so many levels of meta sort of happening at the same time. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. It just made me laugh and laugh and laugh. So, yes, people, if you watch this, you will hear the Galaxy Quest theme accompanying a Star <laughs> Trek fan film. I don't know how it gets any weirder than that. Oh, wow. It's great. So um, I would love to know if people out there have been watching or have watched Hidden Frontier. I'd love some episode recommendations if there's some particularly good ones um, or interesting ones or ones that have um, other characters that we might be interested in. Please let me know. You know, leave a comment, send us email, because I don't really want to watch all seven seasons, but I'm certainly up for watching more. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Okay. So that's my report for this week. Good report. Thank you. Now. Now. Let's talk about a real report, a best report.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Our favorite little Trekkie, Yes, Sarai, has posted her review of the Paradise Syndrome.
0: Oh, it's so good
1: it's 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 just classic her you know her her take on on everything is just so is so wonderful um (laughs) some of the things i remember is um and he does a move that i've never seen before (laughs) And it's the one where he swings around the tree and kicks Sailor, but I can't remember what she called. She called them. it the tree spin kick.
0: Oh yes, of course. <laughs> what else would you call it? <laughs> I, and I replayed that because I had to make sure that that's exactly what she said. But, yes, it was the tree spin kick. Okay, the tree spin kick. That's right up there with fist high off, which oh I have God, not Oh, my God, it's so good. Mm. I, and and she said the reason that he did the tree spin kick, which was a move he never did before, was because he forgot that he was Captain Kirk. <laughs> so he couldn't access, you know, his normal moves like the fist high off. And he had to do this instead. You know, she's like just this close to
1: providing a fanficish spackle to this episode. <laughs> because she she gets into what she thinks he's thinking. Yes, I know. It and so it's good. it's
0: different. <laughs> it is different. It's very, very different. Um I I loved that she said <laughs> So her theory was that uh, he forgot he was Kirk, but then as time went on, he was sort of half remembering that he was Kirk. And her evidence for this is that at one point when he's running with Miramani through the grass, he doesn't have a shirt on. And that's because Kirk likes to to be shirtless. Yes. So that's how we know. I think he's he's... starting to remember who he is. That's right. Because he took his shirt off and is running around shirtless. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I think she's dead on. (laughs) She knows her Kirk. (laughs) She does. She totally does. Oh, man. So her summary was great. Um, I really loved at the end when she talks about the climactic scene where Kirak realizes he's not a god. And Miramani jumps up there. She says, and then Miramani accidentally killed herself. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Miramani. (laughs) I know. She did. She accidentally killed herself. (laughs) Yep.
1: I do like, too, that she talked about the the I'm-so-happy scene. Yes. (laughs) And Kirk is so happy that he gives himself a big
0: hug. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what he does. And I also liked, again, her direct quoting from the episode is wonderful when um, the the old medicine man says... um, you are not a god. A god does not bleed. And she said it and then her dad synced it exactly to the yes. actor who was saying it. Yes. You know, she had it perfectly right with the timing and the intonation and everything. Well, oh, you know, man, uh, that was good.
1: I noticed too that she now goes into the Scottish accent as soon as she says Scotty. Yes. <laughs> and then she says, and then Scotty says, me poor
0: Burns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, I was having a little trouble understanding her when she said that Uh, spock restored kirk's brain brain memory excuse me by using the vulcan mind mold i think that's what she said i couldn't
1: i was like the vulcan
0: mind mold (laughs) (laughs) which is also wonderful yes so, okay, I just, I wasn't sure if, if that was the word that she was saying. Yes, Mind, that mindful. that is what she said. <laughs> okay, that's very good. Yeah. Um, uh, The clips that were illustrating this were also great. Like, I always forget when Bill is doing the part where he gets hit by electricity or something, mm-hmm. how hammy he is in that oh. scene. I mean, that had to be one of the most overacted, stagey things he ever did, where... Yep. The, the lightning hits him and then he he's like looking up and he has his hand up and his eyes are open and his mouth is open and he sort of holds this weird position for a second. And then he sort of flops down. And it's like, yep, wow, Bill, our... could you have been any more over the top there? <laughs> that's our Bill. <laughs> Ooh, crazy. Yes, yeah. Crazy.
1: But, um, yes, I do, do very much in, enjoy Sarai's take on all of these, but that was, that was really nice. The tree spin kick.
0: The tree spin kick, and then at the end, her little sign off was, "I am Kirok! Kirok. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad she's continuing to do these because it's been a while, right? We
1: well, the one last month. one she did was of one of the uh, the the fan series.
0: Right. That's and, right. And I, I didn't. Remember.
1: I yes. didn't bother to watch it because, not having seen them, I think it mm-hmm. kind of loses something. But yeah. You know, this is an episode I like a lot, and oh, yeah. uh, I really, really do like her little subtext. That's so good.
0: Oh, it was wonderful. Just great. So everybody should go and watch it. Um, you posted it on the blog, so there's a link for it. Mm-hmm. Not the blog. It's on Facebook. Facebook, right. yes. Yes. Correct. Um, let's see. I think there's only one other thing I wanted to just briefly mention, which was um, Adam Nimoy's uh, documentary about his dad is mm-hmm. out now. And it premiered in New York at the Tribeca Film Festival and got some really, really nice comments. Um, let me just open – there was a, a review in The Observer by a guy who actually went to school with him at Berkeley. Oh. And so he talked a little bit about when uh, he knew Adam that he was at that time a little bit estranged from from Leonard and more so mm-hmm. as time went on because Leonard was not the greatest dad. Um and then how they reconciled, and that's kind of the genesis of this movie was that, you know, the reconnecting and really wanting mm-hmm. to tell his story. So um, I'll just read this little part because I thought this sounded great. Uh, the film features appearances by William Shatner, of course, George Takei, J.J. J. Abrams, and Simon Pegg, among many others. Nimoy in- interviews Zachary Quinto, who plays Spock in the reboot. Their exchanges brim with emotion. Nimoy explained... Zachary had a father-son relationship with my dad. He lost his father at an early age. Their connection was very close, respectful, and loving. We both shared that in common, and yet, at first glance, it made me wary and jealous when I saw them together. Wow. They had a relationship without all the turmoil of dad having raised Zachary. Mm-hmm. But when I saw what they had and how Zachary was continuing Spock's tradition, I embraced him. Oh. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that, um, to seeing all these stories, to see what Bill has to say, of course. Um, So let's see. um, According to his son, who began the project working in tandem with his father, the film is primarily about Spock, secondarily about his career as an artist, and thirdly, his family life and relationship with his son. Despite his filial ambivalence, the younger Nemoy recognized Spock is a lot of what we aspire to be as a person. He's an outstanding example of a human being, even though he's only half human, intelligent, trustworthy, and loyal. Spock's got your back. Aww.
1: Yeah, you know, that, that, um, is. that is an interesting companion piece to Bill's book. Yes. Because um, I've never really actually done the review of it, but um, some of the same stories are in it. Um, mm-hmm. Because Adam is one of the people Bill talked to, but um this this whole idea of uh you know Leonard as an artist and you know what he brought to Spock, what he did with it um the book is really wonderful, of course, the bicycle stories in it, mm-hmm. but um i I had bookmarked a bunch of things, and i don 't want to I decided i 'm not going to share them. I want people to read the book and enjoy these things just as I did, not, not knowing they were coming up. Mm-hmm. But what what comes through to me very clearly is, is how sincere Bill is about this tribute to his friend mm-hmm. and how important that friendship was to him. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it is somehow trying to make up for whatever it was that caused mm-hmm. that rift towards the end, but Mm -hmm. I, I really recommend it. And also, uh, there are some pictures in it and one is picture we've seen, but it's of the two of them laughing together. Mm. And Bill said that is his favorite picture of them together because they're just truly enjoying each other mm-hmm. there's there's nothing staged to it you know nothing like that
0: oh well, that's great well maybe when we get to see the movie you could do like a compare and contrast between bill's book and the movie and just maybe point out some things that are different
1: yeah yeah because i i do want to see the movie and i'm really glad i read the book and i hope everybody will read the book
0: yeah cool because
1: it's also interesting because uh bill traces their different paths as actors mm-hmm. and how Leonard was very much a method actor and took acting classes and taught acting classes and Bill was <laughs> more of the, you know, I learn my lines and I do it. And I'm I'm more the Bill type of actor, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you you start from the external and, and work inward. And, you know, Leonard was the exact opposite of that. But that's one of the things... Um, I'm surprised nobody has asked at a convention, or at least not that we've been at. Um, did Bill ever actually take acting lessons, huh. study acting? He was working as an actor, you know, when he was still a teenager. Yeah. And so I'm sure he got a you know a certain amount of on-the-job training. Like obviously the 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 uh, fight director at Stratford was very impressed with him, and you know taught. You know, he had to teach all the actors how to fight and fall and sword fight and wrestle and and all these other sort of things. But, you know, as far as like, you know, these various acting techniques like, you know, method or this technique or that
0: technique. um, That's a really interesting question. I don't think I have ever seen him talk about taking acting lessons like formal lessons. Ever. Right,
1: yeah. Like, you know, going to class each week and working out with your scene partner and everything.
0: Because it yeah. seems like he was always working. Yeah, yeah, right from college, high school. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: and like uh, some somewhere in one of his books, he said something about he and Leonard were talking and how Leonard had these jobs like driving a cab and house painter and everything when he wasn't working. And Bill never had any of those jobs because mm-hmm. he went from acting job to acting job to acting job.
0: yeah. And badly trying to be a theater manager, which he was terrible at. Right, right. (laughs) But once he
1: even got away from that, like when he went out to Hollywood, you know, and was uh, doing those TV shows, he was Mm -hmm. making, he has said, a very good income as, you know, guest
0: starring on a lot of those. Well, he was he was what they were looking for, right? He was a young, mm-hmm. good-looking guy. He showed up on time. He knew his lines. He hit his marks. Yep. You know, he did the stuff that he was supposed to do. Mhm. That's what you need. That's what you need in an actor. Yep. And he's still like that now. He is. Just going, going, going all the yeah. time. Okay, before we close, I just something occurred to me. This is totally spontaneous. Okay. Oh my god. I was listening to one of our other um the podcast that i listened to which is uh, skeptics with a k with our friend mike hall and Mm -hmm. they had a question from a listener (laughs) which was um do you think it's possible for jesus to inspire people and uh, they kind of talked about whether it's possible for fictional people to be inspirational Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a whole other discussion but um about jesus i mean but then as i was thinking about it i was like uh, yeah, I think it's totally possible. And of course, the very first person I thought of to be inspirational as mm-hmm. a fictional character is Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. Like, I I find his character to be tremendously inspirational. Right. You know, it's not like I modeled my life on him or anything, mm-hmm. but I I feel like he was a wonderful example of the way you could be. You know, in, mm-hmm. in in a situation when you had to work with other people, and if you were in charge of other people, that that's the way you should behave.
1: Yeah that's that's real leadership yeah yeah
0: so, so I I think I, I mean you felt inspired by Kirk and I mean I know you've been inspired by Bill in a number of things mm-hmm. as well but specifically Kirk right like, uh, yes like, yes yeah. very
1: much so and um also you know I've always been such a big reader and one uh, one character that has inspired me and has inspired so, so many readers and women is um, Joe March mm-hmm. from Little Women. She's probably yeah. had the, of all the fictional characters, she's probably had the greatest impact on American girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, whoever read those books and went, wow, I want to be Amy. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: No. Nope. No. No. But yeah that that's that's absolutely possible. Yeah. They they talked a little bit too about how the character of the doctor on doctor who can mm-hmm. can be quite inspirational because um he he does the right thing, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of tough situations. He has a very strong moral sense and and will do the right thing. And I think that's true for Kirk as well. It is
1: true. And I just, for some reason, ran across a quote earlier today about Doctor Who. You've probably seen it because you're more into that than I am, but I do enjoy Doctor Who. And it said, well, they came up with this character and they didn't give him a gun Or a knife. (laughs) They gave him a screwdriver to fix things. And he doesn't go around in a spaceship. He goes around in a police box where you can go for help. Mm -hmm. And they didn't give him a lot of magical powers, but they gave him two hearts. And I thought, you know, that is such a perfect description of that character. Yeah. And like you just said, he has a very strong moral center. Of course, that's inspiring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so of course fictional
1: characters can be inspired.
0: Oh, yeah. And how many of the astronauts have said, yeah, Star Trek,
1: specifically Scotty or specifically Kirk, you know, Mm -hmm. inspired me to do this?
0: Yeah, and I I don't think you'd see as many people still going to Star Trek conventions and being fans if they weren't in some way inspired by that fictional universe and Mm -hmm. and those particular characters because – I mean, we we talked about this a long time ago. Um, I was having a, a rant about how I was so sick, and I still am, of the the grouchy, crabby antiheroes that some yes. of these shows have. It's like mm-hmm. those are those guys are not inspiring, right? No, they're no. not. They might be fun to watch because they're snarky and stuff, but mm-hmm. they're not models, and they're not examples, and they're definitely not inspiring.
1: No, and they don't have to be. I mean, we need all these different yeah. things, but um. Yeah, you're right about the Star Trek conventions and everything, whether uh, the, the, the quote-unquote meaning was there from episode one and it was all intended, which I don't think, or if over time the meaning developed and we brought meaning to it as fans, mm-hmm. if that meaning didn't continue to be meaningful, important... Yeah. You know, why would we want to connect with each other so much through
0: this particular avenue? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that Bill had to learn about Star Trek fandom. Oh, definitely. And bringing it back to Jesus, you
1: and I, you know, <laughs> neither one of us, I mean, we both think he's magic Jesus. But um, I, I feel the same way. Human beings brought the meaning to that. yeah. And that's fine. And that's the thing. I was In fact, I was thinking this the other day. You know, you can have these arguments about, <clears throat> did Jesus really exist as a person? Was he really the son of God? Was he never there at all? You know, all those sort of things. But whatever message there is, many people still, still find inspiration and comfort in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm and i'm thinking well at least we have the satisfaction of knowing where ours came from and knowing that <laughs> ours is fictional and that does not dilute its meaning yeah exactly right yeah i mean just... you, nobody can argue with you that there was this tv series mhm <laughs> you know yes. and there were these characters now how you interpret them and everything else
0: that's where that's how wars begin but that's right. um um, and and I would also say we were uh, very lucky in that the thing that inspired us happened to have a captain who was all charm and hotness, oh. and that only made it better.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and still and still is still all these years is later. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Well, on that delightful note, I think we should wrap this up. I think so too. This has been a good show. Oh, very fun. So, um, we'll get that interview going with Carlos sometime soon. Um, we might have another show in between. I don't know. It depends okay. on everybody's schedules because we're so big. So. Yes, we're so big and important yeah. and, and and busy. And... and um, I we hope that you enjoyed our interview with Mark Okran because we certainly did. He was a, a hoot and a half and just had so many great stories. It was oh like yes, geez. and it was
1: just he was so easy to chat
0: with. It was yeah. wonderful and. Uh, yeah, so I hope everybody enjoyed that, too. Yeah, good. So until the next time we meet, please keep sending us comments, send us uh, email, interact with us on Facebook, because we love to hear from you. We love you, our listeners. We love you so much. Yes, we do. And until next time, live long and potluck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.